Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast, conversations that help people maximize their full potential by helping them understand that life is more like a marathon than it is a sprint. From former athletes, personal trainers, coaches, social media influencers, and entrepreneurs talk about their journey on and off the field and how they maximize their talents once they hung up their cleats. And here's your host, Matt Joy. In this episode, I interviewed a fitness branding consultant who believes in saying yes to literally everything in your career until you find your niche, as well as the importance of networking, your work ethic, and determination. Whether it's been sales, marketing, branding, advertising, or business development, this guest has done it all and believes that each skill you learn helps piggyback into your next position. This guest did not always know what he wanted to do for his career, so he figured he might as well taste everything along his journey until he figured out what he enjoyed to do. Without further ado, here's episode 33. Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Choi, and we're extremely lucky to have an awesome guest, Sam Pogue. Sam is located in Boulder, Colorado, and he's the Vice President of Branding at True Coach. Sam, how are you doing today? What's up, brother? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Sam, obviously, for my audience that don't know you, can you give a little, uh, a little background about yourself before we get started? Yeah, currently, right now, uh, I serve as the Vice President of Brand at True Coach, which is an online training platform that allows personal trainers to offer individual design coaching online at scale. And so think about it like your Gmail, but for your workouts and all your managing all your clients. Uh, and so, you know, it's been a really cool journey stepping from a heavy biz dev role. Prior to being at uh, True Coach, I was at a company called Onnit. And uh, that's where I was in the Bits Director of Strategic Partnerships. Uh, I was over on the education team, building the fitness education programs and teaching. Uh, and then I was also a sports performance coach. Uh, and I coach, you know, a multitude of different athletes, but mostly I work with Jake Arietta, former Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, uh, and currently a starting pitcher with the Phillies. Uh, you know, prior to being here, you know, is where, you know, really the, the meat of my journey is, is that uh, coming to this spot now, I, you know, I get to do a lot of cool things, right? You know, I kind of was like, these are the cool accolades I've, that's permitted me to do in my career. Uh, but, you know, given the times and right now, uh, it's really interesting that, like, I was actually born in Korea. Uh, and I think that was one of the reasons that, you know, also that attracted you to reach out to me. Uh, and I was born in Korea, but I grew up in a really small rural town uh, in Washington State, uh, Kelso, Washington, which is like right outside of Mount St. Helens. And I grew up with white Caucasian parents in a predominantly white Caucasian town. And so, like, it was very much like lifted trucks and football on Friday nights kind of town, right? Yeah. Like, you know that game. You played football. And so, you know, it was very interesting to step into that, that kind of world because, you know, traditionally, and we're going to play the stereotype game now, especially because you and I are here, that uh, Asian personality is typically more quiet and reserved. Yep. And I saw that early. And obviously how that gets treated early, too, that if you're not willing to put your voice out there, like how other people just kind of like, well, you just don't have an opinion if you're not going to say anything. Right, so I was like, oh. so I came out out of the gate and I was genetically probably blessed to have it, but like with a big personality, Yeah. right? Because it was like, no, like when you're the only Asian one, when you're the only different one in the room, right? You can either let people choose how they want to perceive you or you can choose it for them, mm -hmm. right? And I also recognized really at a really early age that most people didn't have a lot of confidence, right? So I grew up with, uh, as the mom of, uh, with a, of a youth minister, so, you know, I was constantly at church dealing with high school kids. And, you know, when you're the little kid, you want to, like, hang out with the dudes, but you can't be the an annoying little bratty kid that's just, like, around, right? Like, you want to be, like, invited to go do the cool shit. Like, when the, the cool kids sneak up on the roof to go, like, you know, do the stuff they're not supposed to. Like, yeah. you want to be invited, not, like, dude, you're the, you're the, you're the mom's kid. Like, like, you know, you're going to get us in trouble. Mm -hmm. So, like, you had to learn to blend in and, like, really start developing 
friendships. Yeah. And like you had the kids that came like on the weekends, you had the kids that come at night and you, had, you know, so there was like, I was always meeting different people. Plus in the church environment, you're always, you know, you gotta, uh, you know, walk grandma down the aisle and then you gotta like go and help this person and you, yeah, know, and you gotta yeah. go teach Sunday school. So it taught me to communicate with a lot of people really early in. Uh, on top of that, my grandpa was like in um, a city council type position oversaw like the Diking Commission. Uh, and uh, so he was very much well known in town because he used to be the postman and he also used to have a general store. So like he was always getting, you know, shook, shaking hands and kissing babies kind of thing around town. Mm -hmm. And that was very much like, oh, you're a little helper. But you know, when you're six, like, oh, you're taught to like, hey, stand up, shake his hand, look him in the eye, right? Like, that you, you learn that as a, as a boy uh, to do that thing. And so it was like, oh, like I'm just getting a shitload of reps in. Right. of interaction yep. and building this skill set. And as it grew, like that just kind of grew with me like this, oh, like I've already kind of experienced this, like that situation, like stand in front of class and read, like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like that just, comfortable. that kind of stuff just didn't bother me. And so yeah. like that creates different opportunities and it's a different confidence level than other people come in with. Cause they're like, oh, speaking in public, that's like most kids biggest fear, right? Like that starts at second grade, reading out loud in front of the class, like, that's like, that's biggest like shit number one, right? Like, you'd rather pee your pants in first grade than like read in front of class if that's not your thing. Uh -huh. right? You're like, no, it's cool. I'll accept that. So, you know, then it's like, you know, moving through this world, it was uh, interesting growing up in a very uh, predominantly um, white, uh, you know, culture of athletes, sports, football, yeah. baseball, basketball. Uh, and like, you know, early, like, uh, I you know, was typically the only one. And I was okay at sports. Like I was just coordinated, <laughs> but like, then I stopped growing and that whole puberty game, like really just bit me in the ass. Right. Like I'm still hoping to grab facial hair someday, someday, uh, 33, like, uh, you know, I'm up to shaving twice a week now if I want to be clean shaven. <laughs> and so it's like, it's a big deal. I'm like, God, do I got to do it twice this week? Shit. Yeah. I, I just did it this month. Uh, you know, and it just created this really unique opportunity for me to develop a large personality. Mm -hmm. and one that like could walk into a room and choose to be the center of attention for a good reason. And it was really fun to watch that because I think that really, you know, granted me the opportunity to not feel um, a lot of prejudice or a lot, feel a lot of fear or anxiety around putting myself out there Yeah. Uh, because I, I had to do it so often so quickly. And when you're a little kid, like you don't have those fears, right? Like, you know, like little kids go up and talk to anybody. Because uh, they just want to like, oh, every person must be nice until they have those tra traumatic experiences. Um, and it's, it's interesting that like I had that personality to want to go embrace because I was actually abandoned in Korea. And right. so I was a three-month premium abandoned. My first eight months were in an orphanage, right? And so then, you know, getting adopted, it was like, it was interesting to watch how I naturally want to embrace and grab people. Like I'm very much now a networker. Uh, and I think that was just a... Um, you know, a strategy for me to like, look at like, okay, how can I make sure that I don't get put into this hole mm -hmm. of racial profiling, I guess. Cause you see, I know you see it early on as a kid, right? You saw it early on as a kid. I remember being in kindergarten, getting made fun of for the very first time. Yeah. And the kid's like, oh, you're Chinese and you, you have a flat face. And I was like, I was really upset about it the first day. And I went home, my dad, my dad in very Steve fashion was just like, why are you even upset? He's like, you're not even Chinese. Just tell the kid you're not Chinese, you're <laughs> Korean. And he said it so just like basic that way. And I was just like, you're right. And I just walked up. I was like, and next time he said it, I was like, I'm not even Chinese, bro. I'm Korean. And I didn't say bro back then. And I was like, that was it. And he was just like, I, and like from then on, like it was just never, cause it was like, also like, wait, I have all these friends. This kid didn't have any friends. Right. Like what I, I, I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. So yeah. it just became a really interesting catalyst to that skill set being developed at a young age uh, to now step into 
oh, you know, getting into college and, you know, going through and the party scene and just, you know, figuring the thing out. And uh, I, I failed out of college my sophomore year, you know, I was partying too much. My mom had a brain aneurysm and just like, I was doing too many things, right? Yeah. Sports marketing internship, crew team. Uh, but I was just throwing myself in to meet as many people as possible because it was fun, right? Like crew, like I'm five, seven and built like a fucking South Park character. Like crew team is for dudes that are like six foot two yeah. and you're the coxswain. Like <laughs> I should be the dude scrubbing the boat, but it was a club team and it was a shitload of fun because it was a whole experience right. in a world I would have never had access to. And it was just like, oh, wow, I get to know about this whole sport that like all these people, like a lot of people actually know about in various other spots of the world. Mm -hmm. But because I just walked into it, like, yeah, sure, I'll do this for four years, right, why not? And it became a whole new thing, right? Like we look at like the outliers of uh, what makes us good athletes, you know? And like, you know, I was blessed to grow up in America and, you know, with uh, parents that put me through college and I played every sport I wanted to do, to do mm -hmm. right? But like, all right, like I'm not necessarily as develop like I remember being 10 and playing tournaments against kids who were like do you have facial hair like there is no way you we are the same age you're like what right. the fuck <laughs> right like that yeah so but like I could have been a fantastic badminton player right. right would I have been a dope ass you know table tennis player because you know it was just an environment where I would have been better skilled mm -hmm. right like I wasn't reliant on size and strength and speed right w whatever it was like and so it's interesting to look at how these skill sets and the things that get put in front of you lead you to where you are uh, and so then all of a sudden, you know, I get thrown into fitness because I went to school for business like you. I thought I was going to do sports marketing uh, from Nike because in Portland, yeah. that's where Nike is. And yep, I'm like, yep. dude, I want to do like, I want to be the guy that helps design Ken Griffey Jr.'s batting gloves and like goes golfing with the dude. Like, you know, the dream <laughs> fucking kid scenario, because my dream job as a kid was to work in Major League Baseball. Okay. Right. But I also, you know, I, I also had this big personality that made me fear. I didn't want to get pegged as the sales guy. Right. It was easy for me to do the sales thing, like go yep. up and like raffle tickets and sales shit for like, I can, I can like, even, I can hear it in your voice that you could fucking kill. <laughs> oh God. I would smash. Right. Yeah. You'd be like, here, man, here's an extra fiver. Don't tell my wife. Right. And you're like, yeah, of course, man, I'm so good at this. And so, but I didn't want to get pegged as that. Right. Cause back then it was like, you were either the sales guy or you would like the marketing advertising guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, no, man, I, like I great. It's great that I can do that but I want you to value me for what I know, not just for that I can be performing, right? Right. And, because it wasn't hard, right? Like, oh, stand in front of people and put on a show? Okay, like, I'm okay with making an ass of myself. Like, that's easy. I do that regularly without trying. So uh -huh. you might as well do it where you can control the humor. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I, I get out of college and it's 2008. And it was a time where it wasn't just hard to get a job in your field, it was hard to get a job in general. Yeah. And I couldn't get a job. And while I had a vast amount of experience in different areas, my goal through college was to actually work in every industry. I worked in manufacturing. I made the tubes that went between paper towels and toilet paper, right? Really? Yeah. And like, and they go from anywhere from a half inch in diameter to 48 inches in diameter. I had one job, the big ones that are 48 inches. You have to color coat them so the forklifts can pick them up. And so I sat there with, for 12 hours with a paint roller and just like held it to this thing that spun. And it just went, and it just painted the thing. And I'm like, oh, right. But it was a really interesting world to be in. Like when you're in, you know, uh, 18 years old in yeah. college and you're working with a bunch of salt of the earth motherfucking dudes. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a day, like I did a project kind of half done. I was like, oh, I'll go finish it later. And then Brian, the forklift driver, he goes, hey, and my nickname was college boy. Goes, hey, college boy, get over here. He goes, when you're the dude sitting up there watching how we all do our shit, he goes, do you want any of us doing a fucking half-ass job? Mm. I go, uh no he goes fucking do it right man because someday you're gonna be up there 
He's like, I'm always gonna be down here. And I was just like, wow. Right, but it was like, he, it was super, like I like being checked like that. Cause it's like yeah. a, just a harsh like reality. Like, cause that's how, you know, in sports, like that was very much the world I came up in. Like right. freshmen listen to the seniors. They tell you to pick up the balls. You don't back, you just do the thing. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, that was just the thing you did. Uh, and so it was, yeah, it was just a really interesting uh, process. And so, you know, as we, as I start getting older and, and uh, moving into uh, the workforce, it was, oh shit. Like, okay. The only job I could get was selling memberships at 24 hour fitness. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, God damn it. Like, uh, my, my boss was a 19 year old kid that didn't go to college. Right. Like, I'm like, you know, it was like, oh, I didn't need to get, I didn't need to go to college to get this job. This sucks. I was underemployed and I went to a bougie college, you know, like it was a 3000 kid private Catholic college. So, you know, a lot of kids went to got great jobs cause they had ins places, right. Or they had great resumes. I didn't have a four point. I had a lot of shit to do, but like, man, I wasn't going to impress you because of my GPA. Right. Right. And I also didn't really know how to go, like, I knew how to go hustle and meet people. I like to go interview just for fun, but like, I didn't know if I was supposed to apply for marketing director jobs or account manager. Like I didn't, I'm like, uh, and they don't tell you. And of course there's nothing in 2008. So then I get into this job. I'm like, fuck man, I got to work for this kid that just doesn't know how the world works. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to teach me about life one day. I was like, look, bro, (laughs) in no time is there ever, would there ever be a scenario where I work for you except for the, (laughs) you know, a recession like this. Cause I'm like, I'm a cocky piece of shit. Like I know, like. I, like I'm very much the last guy on the bench, but I'm also like, hey, I'm the last guy on the bench that will outwork the shit out of me. Right. Like, let's go. And it's a right? confident position to be in. <laughs> hey, like, I mean, I might be the best guy out there, but like, I'll outwork you all day. Like, I'll show, I'll give you a reason to make sure you're out there, whatever that is. Um, and so, you know, coming into it, it's like, oh, fuck, man, I gotta have a better attitude. And so then I started kicking it with the trainers, man, and started like learning about lifting. I always liked training. As yeah. an undersized athlete, like I worked really hard at like practice. Like I'd always be trying to be the first one around the track and like, you know, work really hard at drills, but like, I didn't have that like discipline to like, I got to do pushups. I'm going to go do extra hacks on the T. Like that wasn't my natural mindset to go do that, that, that stuff. Right. Because like, I, like I didn't know, like at the end of the day, like it wasn't that decision. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it back then, but I would work really hard at things. Uh, and maybe it was a self-interest thing. I have no idea. Uh, but it, it definitely uh, has pluses and minuses to get distracted by other things and not want to go deep down the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I started getting into lifting and it was fun. It was fun to learn. And I had an interest in it. Like it made sense. And it was something I always appreciated. Just never wanted to go down the exercise science rabbit hole because I'm like, Oh, I'm not a science driven person. I'm not going to remember a bunch of fucking anatomy terms. Like no way. Well, you know, one of my buddies, Tony, uh, was really big into like Joe DeFranco and, um, you know, great cook and Pavel. And so I got a really great introduction into fitness in like the mechanical stress, progressive overload, right? Linear periodization style training, which is highly valued in the fitness community, right? Like, and it, up until recently was really the only community. It was either that or you were the, you were the kind of like showboat on TV kind of hacker. Yeah. And so, you know, it was like, okay, at least I have, I come from good fundamentals. I'm not a sellout. I'm teaching the right, you know, I'm doing the right thing. And I went down and watched my buddy do a, a strongman meet and I ended up doing it as well. He's like, might as well do it. And like, I didn't, I did okay. Right. Like it was a big ass dude I had ammonia packets and like went to go do this like axle press and like, he just couldn't pick up the bar. And at the time I'm like, Tony, I don't know how to over, I don't know how to do that movement. And he goes, just pick it up and push it over your head. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I grab it and like, I do it like 13 times. I'm like, Ooh, and it was just such a big old burly dude. He just had no overhead position, no, no mobility. So he just couldn't get the log up. Uh-huh. And so like, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, whoa. And then there was a hex bar walk, farmer walk. And like all these massive dudes uh, couldn't do it. They just couldn't walk it, you know, 10 yards. And they had to put it down. 
So I pick it up and I'm like, oh, I was the first one to finish this thing between the heavyweights and I was in the low weight class. I was like, oh shit, I don't suck. Right. And so like, it was this kind of confidence that like got me to go like, oh, powerlifting might be, it was fun. Like I started getting like, I'm built like a South Park character. So like squatting became a thing like I was good at. Right. I also got fat my senior year of college. Like I was 220 pounds uh, and I was really good at beer pong uh, or I guess mediocre (laughs) beer pong, but good at playing it. So my skeletal frame developed a little bit more volume than it did when I was 112 pounds at 16. Uh, You know what I mean? I was was finally starting to hit that maturity level. Uh And so then I started getting into lifting, right? Like I had that frame to kind of support it. And like, you know, I ended up doing three powerlifting meets, a couple Olympic lifting meets, the strongman comp. And then I started training and it was a really fun journey. Like I was competent because I wasn't terrible. I wasn't going to be the world's strongest man, but like I could squat 400. I could deadlift 500. Like I could hit the numbers. I was in the, I was in the 1200 pound club. Right. right? I'm like, dope. Cool. Like I am not weak by human standards <laughs> you know, by this standard. And so, but then I'm like, I'm training and you know, being the sales guy, I'm sorry, I need to back up after membership. Uh, I like, I was trying to get out of membership sales. Cause I'm like, Oh, this fucking sucks. Right. It's a yeah. draw system. Right. So meaning you had to sell enough to counter the base salary you would get if you made minimum wage. And if you didn't yada, yada. And it was just a brutal environment. Right. Uh, and, just no one was buying gym memberships in 2009, eight, nine. And so I finally got an, a job doing sales in an action sports company, doing weightboarding, kiteboarding, wakeboarding, kiteboarding, stand up paddleboarding. And originally kind of being brought on to do marketing later kind of switched over. They, they're like, Hey, can we need you to do sales? Like, can you do North American wakeboarding sales? I'm like, yeah, for sure. I have no problem doing the sales thing. Just happy to get out of 24 hour fitness and into a big kid job. Right. I was craving just to have value to myself that like I got a office job kind of thing. Cause that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, you know, but they're like, I'm like, Hey man, just understand that like I can wakeboard, but I don't go wakeboarding. Like I can get up and I can ride and I can eat shit with incredibly great fashion, but like, I can't jump the wake and I don't fill the ballast up and shift the gnar, right? Like there's going to be a learning curve. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, that's cool. And uh, two months, two months in, I was fired for not being bro enough. And so uh, it was like, you didn't oh. fit their mold. Yeah. yeah. And so I drove back to the gym because I didn't know, what, I didn't know what to do. I got fired. I was like 23 years old. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to go work out. Right. It was dynamic effort, uh, <laughs> upper body day. So I'm like, <laughs> fine. I'm just going to go lift. I know what I do. What I know. And I walk in the gym and my, the fitness manager was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I got fired today. And he goes, I'll pay for your first cert until you come back and become a trainer. And I was like, 90 minutes later, get another job. And at least, you know, back, you know, personal training, you know, in then was also very much like a server job and that like, it was a transitional thing for a lot of people as well. Like it was something you could kind of jump in and jump out of in certain places. Cause you can pretty much always get hired as a personal trainer in most gyms. If you have a, you know, a certain, some experience, uh, like someone will hire you at whatever space. It may not be ideal. Uh, but I was like, yeah, okay. And so then I jumped in and all of a sudden, like, man, I took off. Like I, you know, immediately people wanted to train with me. I had a 40 hour week schedule within three months. And I was like, Okay. Right. And as a membership, dude, I'm watching trainers. Like I'm giving them 30 packs from the point of sale. And I'm like, did you not resign that person? They're like, no. And I'm like, they, they couldn't afford it. I go, I sold them an $1,800 package on the spot. Like how did you had 30 hours to hang out with this person? Like this just means you sucked. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and cause and then I'm doing it I'm like, no man, like I'm already full. Like, wait, what? And so then I'm like, hold on, maybe this is actually kind of a, uh, and it's also sexy to say you're a personal trainer. Yeah. So then I was like, let me just like, like, early that first two years was tough like nothing was working out getting fired right like I was like let me just chill for a second and just kind of ride it out and so then I just kind of trained for a while and and uh you know did the ascension in 24-hour fitness and built a master trainer and three certs and and 2,000 sessions or 18 whatever it was and and I was like all right it's cool but 
I don't want to, they were like, Hey, do you want to go be a club manager? Do you want to go be a fitness manager somewhere? Cause I had both sides of the table, both membership and fitness. I'm like, not like they treat me middle management terribly. Right. Yeah. And like I, at this time, like I was able to live downtown. I walked to work. I lived in the cool area. Right. I was like, no, nah, man, I live a cool life. Like this is, I just make my own schedule. I do what I want. Yeah. And so then, and I was also like, no, man, I don't, I don't want the life of just the gym. And I also don't want to go to a strength conditioning world. I don't want to go to PT school because in 2009, 10, that's what fitness really looked at. Like those were your routes. And I was like, uh, and I was looking at jobs with Nike and Spark and then that got dissolved and Red Bull, that didn't work out. And finally I took a job doing recruiting for like technology software engineers with a startup. And it was mostly commission only based, but it was a great, it was a cool company, right? Five weeks vacation and a 4% match in your 401k and like things you don't have when you're a personal trainer and yep. you're like, dope. And so then all of a sudden it was like a, but it was a heavy commission structure. So um, I had to still keep training. And so I trained every morning from five to six, went to work from eight to five and came back and trained the six and the seven and the 8 PM um, worked on the weekends. I also played on a men's wood bat baseball league. I was on the board of a nonprofit called Portland youth builders. And I was also yeah, starting up with a children's cancer society program called chemo pals, which is like a big brother, big sister program for ch children with terminal cancer. Uh -huh. And uh, <clears throat> my buddy and I went to dinner one day. And, uh, and I did that life for about two and a half years. Uh, and uh, like about get up 4 a.m., go to bed at about midnight and just like, let's go, right? Because I'm like, I have this, I have a lot of social bandwidth. So for me, it's like, I may not be happy, but I can go be busier than every el everybody else yeah. and like make it look like I got my shit going on, even though like I know it's not. So my buddy and I go to dinner and, and we're sitting down and uh, he looks at me, he goes, dude, you make me feel like shit. He goes, mm -hmm. you have two jobs, you play baseball for fun, you work with two nonprofits, and you don't miss a weekend with any of our friends, you do everything, so, you know, you have all these groups of friends, you're really social, and he goes, what's the highlight of your day? And I just sat there, and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have one. Like, I'm just really good about being busy. Yeah. Well, I had always wanted to, you know, college, Portland was an hour from where I grew up, it was the big city for us, uh, even though I was in Washington, uh, and it was, like, it was cool, like, it was fun. I loved it. But I'd always wanted to move away as a kid just to say I lived in New York to say I did the from the little city to the big I did it right like I went from this like fucking no one wanted me to like the fucking I lived in New York and did the thing. Yeah. And but like I was also 28 by this point and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go live in a studio apartment with 19 people commuting 17 hours on a train to like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't about that life. I was able to live by myself by this point in time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, oh, that's a whole different ballgame when you live solo. Different world. <laughs> like roommates and you're like, oh, and like solo, you know, solo in a one bedroom versus like solo in or like 10 people in a studio in New York. And so uh, I went to my boss at the recruiting agency and I said, hey, man, look, I love working for you, but like I kind of hate this uh, job. So, but I recognize that I don't, I give you like 5% of my time. I'm in the door at eight. I'm out the door at five. Like I don't do the extra. Like I'm just good enough to keep investing in. Cause I might break out. Right. Uh, but I'm not like, I'm not doing the thing. Right. Like I'm just, I'm like your reliable steady stringer that just second stringer that just keeps working hard. Right. Like I keep showing up like he's a body. <laughs> so like could be doing worse. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, and people, you know, likable. And so then he goes, okay, tell me where you end up. And I was like, oh, fuck, uh, I got to make a decision now. Like, I can't like give you this yeah. song and dance and like not say anything. And so he goes, I'm like, oh, shit, where do I go? And, I, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, right? Like, I'm going Chicago, New York, Boston. I want to go get a season ticket to the Yankees for the year and just go to every game, you know, and just like do something cool as shit with my life that involves baseball. Mm -hmm. um, because I was anyway, still trying to find point, a way. You were just a fan of baseball, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. 
And so like, I wanted to work in baseball, but I also remember I didn't want to be in ticket sales. Right. You know, I had those type of roles I could get like with like Blazers and the Winterhawks, which is a sport amateur hockey team in town. But like, I don't want to do ticket sales, man. Like that was a job Mm -hmm. I hate, which is funny because recruiting was phone sales too. 120 cold calls a day. And um, so then I was like, you know what? I had a good time in Austin. Uh, My friend lives there. So I'm going to go live with her uh, and figure out the next step. Well, right around this time, I mentioned earlier that one of my favorite coaches and earliest people I followed was a guy named Joe DeFranco, uh, who got his notoriety for training athletes like Brian Cushing, Miles Austin, and uh, a numerous other people like Triple H and, and yeah. you know, great, great guy. And uh, all of a sudden, he's announcing, I'm moving to Austin, Texas to merge my gym with this place called On It. And I was like, mm. nope, I don't know what On It is, but like, I want to go be a part of that, yeah. right? How serendipitous. Like, I just want to go be a member, like, get out of fitness, just do the thing. But like, I can hang, right? You want to go clang and bang with some accommodating resistance and do some chains and bang. You're like, I can do it, man. Like, I can, you know, like, I'm not a punk. And so, but like, so I'm emailing everybody trying to get in. Uh, and mind you, just for the fun of it, for people who have kids, uh, while I was living in Austin, looking for an apartment, I was living with triplet one-year-olds who were teething. Uh, so uh, I may not have children, but I can empathize with those of you who have kids. <laughs> uh, and that is a whole new ballgame. So anyway, I end up like emailing and, and finally get someone emailing back. And, and they're like, hey, you wanna, when do you want to come in and, and check out the gym? And I was like, when do you open? They're like, December 1st, 6 a.m. I go, well, I'll be there at 6 a.m. And so the guy who signed me up was John Wolf, who is the chief fitness officer of Onnit now, oversees all fitness. <clears throat> and it was, just, it was cool because it gave us a one-on-one time. Like I was the very first person, right, to walk through the doors. Like what better thing do you want than like day one, someone's waiting at the door to open to give you money. It's real. Right? <laughs> and uh, so then, you know, we, and we get to chat. Like, hey, I'm a trainer, yada, yada. This is what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I, like I, you don't have to sell me. I'm here. I just I want to, you know. And I, I basically budgeted out that I could afford, because I lost the training revenue. I had like just the recruiting money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could afford 200 bucks for a gym membership. I'm like, that would be everything I could go do socially, really. But like, I wanted to be a part of it because it would provide a social network. I would meet people. Yeah. And it was like a thing I was interested in. And he's like, dope. Okay, cool. And like, I had no money, man. I was making house cleaner out of like rubbing alcohol and peroxide and lemon juice. Right? Like, cause I, and I worked from home just dialing the phone so I could just clean my house all the time. Like, you know, uh, and just trying to save money so I could go figure this next step out. Right. But moving down to Texas and Austin, I knew that like training was, or um, recruiting wasn't the thing I wanted to do. And so I immediately was trying to put some feelers out and I was trying to get into like territory sporting goods sales for like, uh, like Louisville Slugger or Rawlings. Like maybe, okay, maybe this is my time to push into the baseball world. Right. And uh, I finally was able to get in touch with a company called BSN, which does like, um, high schools and colleges, everything from like the tennis ball hoppers to the basketballs to the uniforms to the field, the goalposts and you know yard stuff. Uh, and but they wanted me to move to like Dallas and Corpus Christi and El Paso, and I'm like, damn, I just got to Austin, man. So then I was started talking to John because I was like the only member, and I'd come in and work out at like 10 a.m. when no one's there. Right. And so like he'd come out and bullshit with me, and I was like, hey, what would it look like if I came on board to work it on it? And he's like, I don't know, pitch me something. And I was like, all right. And so then at the time I pitched him uh like hey i was kind of into this territory in my car like let me just travel around and talk about on it and sell shit and he's like no i was like oh shit all right and then we talked about how like hey man like while i'm i am okay at training and i have some knowledge i'm also not an educator or, or a lead person by any means i was able to build a training business really well because here's what i think most trainers don't do well and that's the soft skill side that's sales that's running yeah. their business and he's like okay and he's like i'm also a good communicator i'm kind of like johnny on the spot like 
for those of you guys who don't know who on it is on it is a supplement company started by a guy named joe rogan and aubrey marcus mm -hmm. uh joe rogan you know has the biggest podcast on the planet and just signed a hundred million dollar deal uh yep. with spotify so uh he, he's if doing you okay know joe rogan then you've been under a rock <laughs> <laughs> right and so like uh you know, at this time, like on it wasn't that big. And yeah. so we finally found a role and I came on board and I came on and as I was employee number 42. And we started building the certs out and building out what fitness looked like from on it. And like at the time, like I wasn't in a spot to like be in a teaching setting or, or do anything like people would come to town and like I would just funnel it like and let, let me get it. let me let you imagine I had the info at on it.com came through me. Right. So how many emails came through a day of people who just like <laughs> sending shit to on it. Right. Like the amount of people who thought Aubrey listened to or like who read that. It was like, Hey bro, great podcast yesterday. And you're like, I don't know if people know that this, he doesn't answer. He, this isn't to him. Right. right. But it was funny because thousands, but like I can handle that kind of bandwidth right. of, of intake. And so then I came on board and then all of a sudden, like I had an opportunity to start traveling into going to events like the NSCA conferences. Well, like you think my fucking personality is good at standing in a booth and demoing and talking shit and yelling really loud? Like, oh my god, I'm built for that. 16 hours of being that? Like, Jesus, like go, boop, put the quarter in. Send them in. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I could talk to the strength coaches in a way that they understood and they like we you know, not many people understood on it with maces and clubs. Right, right. right. You were why why use this when I can use a barbell? And I'm like, bro, we can go, let's go play the fucking deadlift game, right? Like I can go hang. Right? Like, and it's like, hey, at any point in time, do your athletes need to use submax loads? Well, yeah. Do they ever need to use um, um, dry parasympathetic state? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do they ever need to uh, not work with, you know, maximal tension? Yeah. They ever need to rotate? Yeah. Okay. Well, then we're not arguing because I think mechanical stress and all that is great. But sometimes, like, this might be a tool too, right? Maybe someone needs to learn some movement efficiency, maybe, you know, whatever it is. Like, so there's space for it. Right. And then on top of that, like the club, like the steel club, if you've ever played with them, looks like a big, like bam, bam hammer, but like all the load is at the top. And so it's like, at first, like you think about, oh, it's just dumb. It looks like a bat. And then someone picks it up. They're like, oh shit. Like it's really hard. And they're like, what do you do with this? And like, we make them up to 45 pounds. Uh -huh. And in my prime, I could press it, but like usually we do it at like 35 because I could do it all day versus a 45. I only had like one in me. But if you strict press a long levered object with a top lever mount, Right, it's shifting, and then you get handed to a big, beefy, like meat-heady strength coach. He's like, because he does his scap doesn't move, yeah. right? So it's just stuck, and he's like, damn, right? And then I'll take it one, and I'll start milling it, and you know, flowing with it. And he's like, oh, I was like, yeah, I can do both, right? So I go, maybe I got a, one of my pitchers, and I want him to work horizontal pressing patterns, but like, I don't want him to meet head out and be worried about preoccupied about the load he's pressing with dumbbells. So I can have him handle a twenty-five pound club. He's like, damn, this is so hard. I'm like, dope. We're getting great intent great challenge out of a great pattern that you're not preoccupied with trying to compete with someone else and something that doesn't really matter from a stress standpoint, but right. I, I do need to work it. I just don't need to overload it. You know what I mean? From, from that kind of setting. Right. So all of a sudden, like, you know, you start going to NSCA and then my, you know, my personality start net, you know, networking with people and on, it's also got the cool factor. Yep. So you start meeting a couple yeah. people yeah. and all of a sudden, like you get people being like, dude, you got like the barbell shrugged crew here. You got like four NBA strength coaches here. You got like Tommy Moffat from LSU, over, like just hanging out in your booth. And they're like, what, how do you do that? I go, just be normal, man. Just hang out. Right. Like, but like, it was so cool to have that dynamic at NSCA, like starting yeah. to watch that build. And then all of a sudden we're starting to open up doors. And next thing you know, we're walking into it. My girl, Sayla, who oversees partnerships on it now, uh, we were partners there and, and uh, we walked into Exos. And they're like, hey, you know, Thorne and them, we're starting to separate. They're like, we'd love to start a conversation around on it Nexos. And we're like, yep, 
So all of a sudden we're bringing in a partnership with Exos, then Gold's Gym, then UCLA. Mm. Then all of a sudden I start training Jake Arrieta, you know, Philadelphia Philly, uh, you know, Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion. Uh, and it's like, oh shit, you know, I get to build quite a bit of a cool thing, right? And then all of a sudden it turned into this like, oh shit, like the president or CEO of On It Now, Jason, who was the president back then, you know, he grabs me and he pulls me in the office and he goes, hey man, we're in a world that cares about clicks and views and you're a lot about handshakes and smiles. And he goes, it seems to work. Uh, so I want you just to go be you. And like, I had this amazing opportunity just to go pursue business development opportunities on behalf of Onnit. At the time when like, by the time I left, we went from 30 million to $90 million, right? right? We went from 42 people to 200 people at the, like that surge. And like, it was just, you know, any, any t- it, you know, anybody would have a conversation. I can get any meeting I needed to, mm-hmm. right? Like strategic partnerships on it. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Right. Like it didn't matter if they thought I was getting it because of Rogan or on it right. or Aubrey or whatever it was, but like that got to be me in that room. And so it was really cool to start like growing. And because I was at first traveling now to going sponsoring all the little workshops to where it was like, Oh, I'm at Sam's at the booth to where all of a sudden like, oh man, like maybe I would teach like a a hands-on thing. And then they're like, oh, and then the next year it was like, hey, you wanna come teach? You wanna present? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh man, I'm like presenting at all the Exos API facilities. I'm at Mike Robertson's. I'm teaching at Eric Cressy's. And it was like, oh shit. Like other athletes are starting to hit me up. Other agents are starting to hit me up. And I'm like, whoa, okay. This is opening up a whole new world. And so then right before I took the job, I moved from Austin to Boulder to work at True Coach. And in between there, I went to go to spring training with Jake before I moved up here. And uh, there was a moment where we're leaving the field and, and uh, I'm, I'm looking out and watching because it's the first day pitchers and catchers report. He just threw a pen and uh, all the social media people are out, all the marketing team, you know, everybody's out. And I get such great warm welcomes, you know, all the team, because I've been around now two years. And I'm looking out and I'm like, damn, I could be one of those people like doing the photography, doing the media at the, at the field. But like, I'm leaving with the dude we're going to go fishing and ride jet skis. Like this is 10 times cooler than the job I dreamt of when I was 12. Right. Right. Like as a 12 year old, like, Oh, I think it'd be so cool to work at major league baseball and like work, you know, trades or work market, whatever that, like, I didn't care. I would have been pumped about any way in. Right. And then now it's like, but not one of those included this version. Right. To where now, you know, the guy, the way I met Jake was through John Baker, who's the mental skills guy with the Cubs and played 12 years in, in the MLB. And uh, we're in the process of getting ready to start a retreat for professional athletes to attend after they finish playing to help reestablish their identity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to now look at that and be like, damn, that's a project I'm working on. It's not just a, a thing that's like, oh, that would be cool to do someday. But like, uh, no, like I know how to do it. We have the resources. Like, we, like that's a thing, right? Like, oh, oh shit. Like, that's so cool, right? And it, it's become now that I've become so grateful that fitness, I kept trying to move out, kept moving away, getting away, trying to move away. And all of it, it kept pulling me back and like, Look what just take, just going down a thing. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, it's a useful school, like a skill, kind of like working on your car. It's a useful thing to learn. Yeah. And, but like just going down this hole was able to like, oh, just saying yes to a lot of things. I don't know if that's going to be the thing, but it might get me to the next step. But saying yes got me to be able to beat the shit out of the job I dreamt of when I was 12. Mm. And so now I get to be at 33 and being like, damn, what do I really want to do? How do I really want to be happy? And how do I want to fill my time? I want to read. I want to be well experienced. I want to have, you know, uh, and it, it, it's something that allows me to not have to be in a spot where uh, I feel compelled to race as much, right? Like when you're that undersized kid, you're always like, no, man, I can take the hit over and over and over. Like if you sports fans out there, obviously like Rudy, like, yeah. no, like I want to make you look bad because I can just keep taking the hit. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm going to give you shit for not being the, like me, right? Like step up. And so 
it's now in a spot now to where I'm having to learn how to transition because I do get invited to do a lot of cool things. Before it came from like, damn, like I'm just working hard like the rest of us. Like I, I don't doubt that I've earned things, but like I don't think I should have been in the front of the room as like having this, like I'm trying to be this person. Whereas like now it's kind of turning into like, ooh, that next step for me is stepping into it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really being like, okay, I want, now how do I lead this? How do I help others achieve the same thing? How do I help them like, you know, oh yeah, get out of that fucking thing that makes them unhappy every day. And like, sure, it's going to suck, right? But, you know, you got to do it. And for a lot of coaches, people listening to this, like if you're a coach, for a lot of you, that's going to be sales. Like looking someone in the eye and saying, I'm worth $250 an hour to spend an hour of your time with, yeah. right? And feeling good about like saying that amount. And like, you know what? You confronting your fear of sales or face-to-face, -face, whatever that is, is going to be a thing that you have to choose. Like if I want to help people so much, I got to learn how to do that thing. And I'm so grateful that all these experiences of just like trying different shit and like being around so many different types of people have facilitated a life for me that I've just been good at just trying a lot of shit to where like, I kind of just know what I need to do. Yeah. Right. And I want more people just to try more things. So I want them to hurry up and fail. Yeah. I want you just to, yeah, I don't, okay. I'd rather you know what you don't want to do. That's at least better than not doing anything. Yeah. Right. Nice. And yeah, it's now been fun to like watch as my story gets to be told and get to be on these things and watch that. I get people reach out and like, wow, that really helped. And cause you don't know, you don't know that like what you're doing is working until until someone tells you so wait so um, sam like like that it, it's not it's, it's very uncomfortable putting yourself in that situation right i think yeah. i think I, talk about this like did your parents give you that self-esteem or was it just you at that young age as a kid that was just like you know what i'm gonna just be sam like i'm gonna be as authentically me as as possible because i think dude, i had the same conversation with some of my friends that were in the same situation you're talking about corporate job have a dream project but they don't really know they don't want to they're too nervous or scared to tap into it like Cause dude, everyone's not cut the same, right? Like dude, your personality is bold, confident, and you're out there, right? But not everyone that fits that mold doesn't, they don't have that self-belief that they can do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting having that personality still coming from that like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't that good right. kind of thing. So like, it was, cause I, I'm like, I recognize like, damn, you're way better than, like you have a way better arm than I do, right? Like I think I can hang and I think I could be like, I can rise to the occasion. Like I'm very much that utility, like, you know, six man kind of role. Like, I'm dope, I'm cool with that. But like, um so like that was very much what i was always fighting for like i did think i deserved more than I, I you know got but like um but my parents are both like hyper introverts they're like you know my <laughs> it was really it's really nice during the covid time that, to not worry about my parents because they live on five acres of land by mount st helens and like my dad's perfect day is if he doesn't have to leave his house and uh experience other people yeah. and so because he has a huge like acre garden a huge orchard he's got a tractor he just like putters around the yard right my dad's six foot tall with a big red mustache and, and people are like oh your dad's like like one of my buddies comes up and they came to the house for like thanksgiving he goes damn your dad's like a man man you know because he's like, just like cowboy hat overalls boots and uh yeah so it's just like they like they i've always been prepared to like live on the land Right. Like my dad's always like, do you have enough food to survive like a couple months? And I'm like, no dad, I live in an apartment in the city. Like I have like four bags of frozen broccoli and that's my freezer, <laughs> right? Like uh, I'm banking on me being able to go to the grocery store and slug it out with the old lady, yeah. uh, you know, to get that broccoli. Uh, but like they, well, they didn't have, like they were very self-aware parents because uh, they had seven miscarriages and a stillbirth before they adopted me. Mm. and so that came with its own challenges is obviously a person you know in, in the marriage wise and and so my parents adopted me at 30 33 okay. uh and so you know i'm 33 now so it's like where i'm at as a man compared to where i was at as 22 is like oh god i could not imagine raising a kid at 20 you know i could right but like 
just what, who, how I think about things. So they came, they were able to come at it from a very different introspective uh, way to how to raise me and going, you know, my dad said this to me recently. He goes, you know, uh, parenthood is really about uh, raising your kids without imposing your failures and insecurities on them. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's a really good way to look at parenting, yeah. right? Like, but you also want to empower your kids with the skills that you didn't have, right? Like, that's where a lot of good parents, like, you look at the, the sports parent who, like, is pushing them to do really well. He's living vicariously through their, they are living vicariously through their kid because they didn't get to do it and they want to provide that opportunity. Right. It may not always be translated well, right? But that's, that's the, I, the overarching goal, mm-hmm. right? Well, my parents, like, they were 33. So, like, their goal was to make me their world, right? Like, I got to play all the sports. So, it gave me this self-confidence. And, you know, I got to tell my dad and my mom and parents recently that, um, you know, it's really empowering for me to know that like, I can run and jump off any cliff in the world and I have an amazing support system. Like, why not try it? Right? Like there's like, what, what is the worst that can happen? Yeah. Right. And like now it's like, man, I probably got, I will say, and I'd argue with this, the best network in the fitness industry. Uh, and like, it expands into like media and other areas. And it's like, I, like I have a huge, like I go, what it would take for me to sleep on the street is like insurmountable fuck up. Right. But I think most people can tell like, yeah, you kind of get what you get with me. Like, there's not a whole lot of like, oh, I don't think there's an ulterior message to what he says. Like, it's kind of like, no, that's pretty raw. It's pretty him. And so like, it was cool that they gave me that. Right. So while they may not have these personalities to want to stand in the, be in the front of the room and have a bravado attitude. Like my dad says, the hardest part about raising you is my bravado attitude that you can just, you run into every fire. Like, now nah, I can just do it because yeah. he's so not that person. He's like, I don't know. Let's be kind of cautious about it. Right. But like, I got to see that, like, yeah, I got to learn how to calculate. Right. But I also recognize that like, you know what, you're going to be bad at everything starting out. So I'd rather take my punches in the first and third round than like in the 12th round taking a haymaker. Right. Like I, shit, we suck at everything. Like very few people are just good at shit out of the gate. Right. Like, so, and for those people, like, I hope you have ugly feet or something weird, right? Like, like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <damn it. laughs> like, Ryan Reynolds, I hope you have like four toes or something weird, right? Like, Jesus, you're funny, you're a good looking dude, like you're talented, you make a lot of money, you're, you're a great person. Yeah. Like, damn it, like, you gotta yeah, do something. Yeah. And like, it was really cool. And, I, and to know that I've been supported by so many, I've been shaped by so many. The great thing about, you know, my, one of my childhood best friends, brothers, uh, was the national DECA president. And DECA is a business and marketing club for high school. And he looked at me and he was just like, hey man, just remember one thing unique about each person you meet. And so like, whether you remember them or not, you'll have at least something to talk about that's engaging. And so the example I like, I like to give with people, think about if we're sitting in the bar just having a, a libation or a glass of water for, or a cup of coffee, yeah. whatever you prefer. And someone walks in the room and God, like not even, like doesn't matter what they are, but they, they walk in the room and you're like, oh God, what a douchey fucking looking piece of shit. Like you don't even know why, you just don't like them. Yeah. Take off their shirt and it's your alma mater. And you're like, what? No way. Dude, when did you play there? Whoa, did you? And like, you just became BFS with this person. And you're like, wait, what? I just went from hating this person when they walked into like, because you have something in common. Mm-hmm. So then it turned into like, oh shit. Well, how do I just find that like something in common with every person I meet? Because the quicker you find that, the quicker you have something in common. Now you're no longer having the dick measuring contest conversation. You're having, a, you're the, what are you into conversation? And when you remember something unique about someone and you start like sharing that with someone else, you're like, they're like, they're, they're, you know, a friend of yours is talking about something like, oh, I'm doing this thing. Like, damn, you know, who you should talk to is Matt is doing this dope thing. And right. you start connecting yep. because networking isn't just about how many people, you know, it's about how often your name comes up in other people's conversations. Why would you, if you're building your network, if you're sharpening your sword, if you're building your skill set, 
If you're not quite ready to be the person who's on camera all the time doing the thing, because you're not quite confident enough to just wing it or whatever, right? Then like, hey, be the person that connects because you meet people. Hey, Matt, you know who you should meet? You should meet Sam because I think blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, 10 years down the road, it's like, oh, how'd you guys meet? Sam Pogue. Oh, how'd you guys meet? Sam Pogue. How'd you guys meet? Sam Pogue, right? Like, and all of a sudden it becomes like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. now you're in everybody's business. And all of a sudden you get to be known for like, oh, you kind of know what's going on, right? And I never have to position myself as a subject matter expert because you know what? The game is always, yeah, you, I, I can I can do content okay, like I can do the okay, but you know who's really good? I can get you Dr. John Russell. What? Yeah, right? Like, uh, oh yeah, a great friend of me, whatever that is. And they're like, oh shit, like yeah, he, cause he's way better than I, you know? And it's like, oh yeah, like I could do it for you, you know? But like, that's what I also bring behind me is like, you know, you get known for being thoughtful. Like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, with you comes that network, right? Like my, you know, coworkers, like my old coworker, Shane on it, used to joke, he goes, God, I'm terrible at networking. And he goes, thank God, I don't have to do it anymore because I know you, right? Like I'm absolved from ever having to do it again. Like all I have to do is like, hey, do you know this person? You know, like, yeah, yeah, here you go. And it's just this pass off. But there also comes a point, like I'm also very protective of it because man, I'm going to feel you out. Like, I want to make sure that like, I'm not going to look like an asshole because I refer you out and I look, Oh shit. Like that makes me look bad. And I, I, you know, I have to be able to get away with just, you know, blindly like, Hey dude, you should meet this person. And people are just cool with that kind of thing for me. Cause they're like, if I'm doing it, shit, I don't know. There's right? a like, there. Yeah. Very few people yeah. being like, I wish you would do it this way. I'm like, really? I'm connecting you with this kind of person. Like, Mm. so you know that because I do want to play that game I want to play the game on my own terms right so yeah my parents did really position me for this and then like I was talking about coming up in the youth minister kids world in that space like all of these things just got me a lot of reps really early in and taught me the skills of how to be this person and like thankfully like the put your head fucking down and work really hard uh is a really highly transferable skill in the workforce everywhere yeah you know so then all of a sudden it's like been able to like I was a really slow mover in my career until like on it happened and that was 28 to 32 and it was like I worked 40 weekends a year like all of a sudden here's an opportunity I'm gonna put the gas pedal down mm -hmm. right like if you're a receiver and you get Drew Brees as your quarterback like are you not gonna know the fucking playbook in and out being like nah man like uh, last thing I want to do is put myself in a position not to score touchdowns yeah right like I want to be the Ed McCaffrey of you know, for Drew Brees, right? That's just like, I'll just, I'll throw it in the middle, bro. I'll take it, right? Like, okay, uh, and just like be the dude. And it's like, that's how you just want to be. Like, I just want to be that guy. So uh, really blessed to look at the skill sets. Now they didn't seem as skill sets early because it was like, you always constantly look at like, really? Like I'm working this hard and you're promoting that person? That person's getting the love? Like, I very much get that. Like, I very much have that chip on my shoulder again still of like, damn, I'm okay people getting notarized for their success, but like, let's do it for the people that have earned it. Yeah, that's fair. Right? So the social media world's a little tough sometimes. Yeah. Well, so Sam, I mean, obviously, Sam, you've done a ton of shit, right? And I mean, obviously, you're still young. Dude, you're 33. I mean, dude, you still got 20, 30, 40 more years of, of real life and experiences that you still want to do. I mean, what, like, dude, what else is on the plate? What else is the North Star for you, I guess, with all, even with all the stuff that you've already done? Yeah, man. So it's really cool. A friend of mine, Krista, uh, she's got uh, this cool thing she started doing. And she keeps a list of a hundred things she wants to do before she dies. And so I put it on a big chalkboard uh, board in my house and it's like on my staircase right now. And it's like, it's at like 65 things. It's not quite all the way there, but it's like, why are we living a life where we say, what if like, Oh, I never did that. Or what if I would have done that? Like I really regret. The only thing I really regret in my life is not studying abroad because 
And, it, and people are like, oh, you could go live in France for four months, six months. I'm like, yeah, you could. But like, I didn't want to live in a studio with 19 people just to live in New York. Like, as a 33 year old, I don't want to live in a hostel and, you know, backpack, you know, everywhere. And like, I, I think it's dope. I want to do it, right? And like rave till four in the morning and they get on a train, that, you know, in Amsterdam. But like at 19, 20, you do want to do that, right? I have a 19 year old intern here at, at True Coach and we we're like talking about our weekend. She's like, I'm like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? She's like, we just drove around. And I was like, you got in your car, just drove around. She goes, yeah, Sam, we're 19. That's what 19 year olds do. And I was like, oh, I appreciated it so much because it was such, you're like, you're right. That is what you do when you're 19, right? <laughs> and so, um, but you know, just like living this life to where it's like, let me start attacking those things, right? Like, man, like I just started doing voice lessons. I don't want to be a singer, but like, I really uh, appreciate the amount of opportunities I get to do public speaking. I'm on a lot of podcasts and I want to do the best I can. Yeah. And so I think that voice lessons can teach me a great thing about undulating my voice and pitch and change and tempo and breathing. And it's been a lot of fun to do. And it's like, you know, it's just something fun. Like I like to do shit that scares me. Like bungee jumping was scary as fuck, but it was like, I made my buddies do it on my 30th birthday, which they weren't pumped about, but like, Hey man, <laughs> you take, pour one out for the homies. Let's, let's go. Uh, and so that's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, for me, I really want to start, you know, I really want to build a life where I get to live wherever I want where I want. I have this amazing opportunity to where, man, I get to drop into every city and have like, oh shit, it's, I can't even hang out with everybody. Like I literally can't have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner with every person I want to hang out with. When I go to New York, LA, Phoenix, uh, San Diego, Portland, you know, it's like, but that is Chicago. That's so cool Strange. to be like, yeah. everywhere I go, I get to drop in and like have dope ass people to go meet and learn from. Like my homies down in New Mexico with, uh, um, uh, Jude and, and, you know, he's an extreme, like he's a back country guide. Right. And so like, I want to go kick it with him and just like go do a back country ski trip and him and Adrian and, and uh, elevate human performance. It was blanking them in the name. And they work with like Carlos Condit and like a ton of MMA guys. Right. We met throughout the on it world, but like, damn, like I drove through Austin to Boulder. So I went and stayed the night with them for a night and just kicked it. Like it was so cool just to hang. Yeah. Right. But I want that life to be every day. I want to wake up like this morning I woke up and I did a, a 30 minutes of precision nutrition and then I meditated and then I read a chapter of motivational interviewing, which is a book on psychology uh, and helping like, you know, from the lens of helping people change and doing behavior change, which mm -hmm. is something I'm really into introspection, behavior change. And then I went for a walk and listened to an audiobook. Uh, and then I came in, I'm sitting into a podcast with you. Like, this is the life I want to live. And like, to be honest, like, this is all like, that's all good perspective building. It's all great for work. Right. Like it helps me design content. Yep. And like, man, it's so fulfilling getting to do something where I get to do it every day because I want to. And so now it's like, oh, the stakes just keep getting bigger. Right. Like my biggest fear leaving on it was that I wouldn't like all the calls that I would get, like about like asking if I would come do something or what I thought about something would end. And in fact, they've increased. And it's so cool to look at, oh, wow what else can I go do? And I want to show people like, Hey man, a small town kid from Kelso, Washington with a couple breaks and a couple, you know, handshake, you know, can make it. You just got to press down on the pedal. Right. You know, I recognize that I've gotten a lot of great off. I got parents that put me through college. I got, you know, I got a, a family that's um, parents that still are together. Right. Like I lucked out and I feel so blessed and so fortunate because the other side of the coin is that I should be living on the street in Korea. Right. And this is the life I get to live. So I'm, yes, I'm very thankful for what I have, but I think it's also a personal responsibility that I should also press on it as much as I can to help be that, to help be that guide to others now. To be like, damn, okay. Maximum. Like, I want to see, like, oh, I want someone else to be like, damn, you did that from that? I want to be that. 
right? And so, you know, and so I want to help people as I can, but I also want to keep doing the thing. So I don't know what the next step is. I, you know, the retreat is kind of the next beacon, like to do that cool retreat and to watch the funnel of where, what happens from there. Cause who knows, man, when you have to get to do that kind of thing, cause I want to make it around experiences, right? Uh, like I, you know, for them, it's like, yeah, you were so good at pitching a baseball that like that, you just like, that was the thing you got really good at. And I think for a lot of us, happiness becomes finding the thing that fulfills us. Yeah. And sometimes for a lot of people, that's the process of going through the process, right? Like you see people who like, oh, they were the football player and they, but they loved designing of offense. Well, then they got really into smoking meat because there was such a process to it, right? And they just have a thing that like, oh, that dude, he gets into everything about barbecue right. or everything about podcast. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. But like, you have to go through, like you, you crave the reps, you crave the like getting beat, right? You crave the like, no, nope, get back up and do it again. I can do it, right? And so you just got to go find your thing whatever that is, cooking, singing, right? Crafting, whatever that is. So, and we're going to do it through like uh, cool experiences where like one of my clients I used to train just one chopped uh, and he's down in San Diego and has five <laughs> restaurants. So I want to bring like a group of athletes and like, dude, let's go learn how to cook some dope shit. Yeah. Right. Or one of my clients, uh, he uh, was the writer director of an animated movie called uh, the missing link, which just won an Academy award. Also like Paranorman and box trolls and Coraline, like, he does some cool shit and it's like, oh, if you guys want to do like animation and see how movies are made, like, let's go kick it with him, right? You want to go kick it in a major advertising studio? I got friends who uh, work with Beats by Trey and cool stuff like that. Like, so now it's like, how can I use my network to like do cool shit, right? Like John Dudley, who's Joe Rogan's archery coach, like, let's go do a cool hunting experience with him, right? Yeah. And just like, let's go hunt a wild boar with a freaking you know, bow, bow, a bow and arrow, right? Like, and just be like, yeah, because maybe hunting's your thing. Maybe you get really into the paleo. I, it doesn't matter. Right. And so I really, I, I kind of want this thing. I'm getting ready to push on my speaking career. Mm -hmm. I've got a new keynote speech I'm getting ready to push out. It's called Hurry Up and Fail. And it's going to pair with a, uh, a course on like overcoming fear, overcoming uh, self-limiting beliefs. Um, I want the retreat to start happening. Um, probably going to spin up another podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if fitness break room will keep going or not at this time. It's kind of shut down right now, which is my fitness one where I tell the stories about how fitness professionals got to where they are. Right. And, uh, you know, it's cool to hear how Mike Bledsoe used to sleep on the floor of CrossFit Memphis cause he couldn't afford anything but a mini fridge and a ninja blender. And so, you know, his GI check covered rent at the gym. And so that's But now he's Mike Bledsoe after doing barbell shrugged and doing the thing, right. Or how Cody's story was strung out in drugs after having, uh, after being on, um, a bunch of opiates after being burnt out on professional snowboarding and crashing and you know and then he was using 24-hour fitness to shower and opening up a gym in LA mm. right like tell me how that's your thing I don't give a shit if you know you're the person with the most followers or the thing with the coolest like the whatever like do something cool tell me like show me your introspection show me that you've been able to overcome the shit and that's what your new thing is for those of you that's like oh for a lot of you like maybe you doing the podcast was like I've been really shy and this kind of forced me to be on camera and step in front of that, yeah. right? Or maybe, you know, whatever that is. And so then we can, and it's like our clients, right? Like, it's not about deadlifting. I happen to teach the deadlift. You happen to love the deadlift, but it's only because you showed yourself that you can be consistent with something for six weeks and you got to have an experience like, wow, my back doesn't hurt anymore. I played with my kid pain-free for like an hour on the ground. Dead, it must be deadlifting. Dope, you love deadlifting, right? I could, I could be pumped about you liking worse things, yeah. right? And I'm so happy I gave that to you. And now you have a thing that you're like, Oh, you were excited to show up to your training sessions. You're here a half hour early to do all your mobs. And oh, you know, like I've had that client that like, oh, the first thing I watch them do when our hour starts is they're doing their first working set. Cause they're like, nope, I'm already through it. Let's go. And you're like, oh, sh cause they're into it. Yeah. Right. And how cool is that for a client to be like, no, right. They text you. They're like, oh, today's high volume, isn't it? I go, yep. Okay. Having extra carbs for lunch. 
dope, you know? And it's like, that's cool when they're in, in that process. So I want to start sharing that. I realized that like that through this journey of just fighting to try to get to what I got to do, I've now gotten to do really cool shit. And I feel very blessed and feel very honored I get to do it. And so now I, I want to help inspire other people to like, dude, do the thing that fucking tickles your whistle, right? It's going to be scary as shit, yeah. right? There's no such thing as failure because here's the thing, like, sure, Fitness Breaker may not go on, right? It was the thing that got me to teach me to do a lot of content. It got me to do a lot of interviews. It's really cool to have other podcasts that have asked me to interview them on their shows, which has happened a few times now, right? Like, or people who've told me like, dude, you've been the best interview I've ever had. Like, those are cool things to where it's like, oh, dope. That's a cool thing for me to latch onto. That wasn't the thing. Because I, I, at first, when I started Fitness Break Room, I thought it was going to be a media channel, right? It's going to be a full-fledged agency. And now that's not really the route I want to go. And I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. sure, it taught me some lessons. It got me from here to here. Now I'm going to run with this for a while, right? Like, until you, like everything, you're just on the treadmill until you decide to get off. Yes. Once you decide to get off, man, just do that thing. And just know you can jump back on anytime you want, yeah. right? It, it's hard to get on a moving treadmill sometimes, though. It is. I think, I think, too, I think you said it's fine. Like not judging yourself for not finishing, not yeah. judging yourself for not right. Pursuing that thing. And I think, dude, you, you just epitomize. It's like, like I, I, I talked about it last summer, but like, like when you get like a lemon, like when you're squeezing the hell out of a lemon to get all the juices out, like that's kind of like what I hear when I hear your story, Sam, it's like, dude, this guy's like maximizing everything he had, like, right. In situations where it wasn't really what you wanted to do, but you were going to be the best at it. And then regardless, like, you're going to work your ass off to be the best at it, regardless of if it was your passion or not. And, to your point, always saying yes, because I think, dude, it is a struggle, dude, especially Asian American community, Sam. You know how it is. I mean, a lot of, like, one, you're getting it from your parents. You go get Here's the thing, though. I don't know. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And let me take that back. You don't know, and I think that's what's your strength. But for someone that is growing up from, like, an Asian American mother and father, yeah. I'm lucky that I didn't get the parents that were like, go be a doctor, Matt. Go be right. a, a lawyer, because yeah, I was an athlete, right? And then God right. did trust me with the ability to be an athlete. And I think for a lot of people listening, like, no matter where you come from, you can go make that change for yourself. And I think hearing yeah. Sam's story, that it kind of epitomizes that. Yeah, man, that's, and that's super, and like very blessed. Like I, you know, I talk to my friends that are, they have that, you know, typical overbearing Asian parents, right? And it's like, you know, not, I was like, whoa, okay. Like, I just, I don't know what it's like for someone to be like, to have an idea and for it to be shot down. Like, that's stupid. Why would you try that? Versus like, yeah, go try that. See how that works, right? Like I was very much the kid that was like, like, you know, you try to learn how to jump your bike. And so you just put a piece of plywood on a piece of, uh, two by four and at first it's pretty high as a little kid <laughs> well you don't understand you know uh geometry and you like you start stacking the thing higher and you're like oh that seems like a great idea right <laughs> when you grow up in the middle of the woods by yourself like you're trying to entertain yourself you're like i think i can jump on my slide and like skate down it on my feet with the hose going down it and you're like like i was just you know you do stupid shit right like i didn't come from an environment that didn't foster that and i, and I think that's so powerful to be able to tell my parents that's what i'm able to go do and look what that gave me because i know that's a limiting factor for so many people yeah. And like what we become later in life is a factor of how we were raised. That's facts. That's facts. Um, Sam, dude, there's so much, dude. There's so much in here, man. So many good nuggets, dude. Um, I but one, I appreciate you being a guest, dude. Obviously, dude, for people that don't know, like me and Sam, dude, there's been no connection before this. Like I had a previous one of my mentors, Josh Funk, which if you're in the DMV area, you know Josh Funk. Um, and he kind of recommended me to interview Sam just to kind of obviously highlight his story and just to gain knowledge from it. But Sam, I want you to kind of highlight now like a best way for someone to reach out to you because I feel you have so much perspective and insight for someone to reach out. I guess what's the best way? Yeah. Uh, Instagram's a great way. S P O G U E eight, six, uh, on there frequently. I've been trying to pull myself away from social recently, just with everything that's going on. I just did a seven day social media fast, which was fucking incredible. Uh, and I highly suggest everybody do that at some point in time. Uh, and then Sam Pogue, Sam Pogue.com, uh, my personal website, you can go there and get my newsletter. 
Uh, and then uh, I write a fitness business blog over on truecoach.co and you can learn about five ways to get more clients. That's not social media, three ways to improve your sales strategy, you know, and, and we have a lot of great writers that contribute there as well beyond me. Uh, so that's a great spot to find like works I do around the fitness business space. I do have about 50 episodes up on the fitness break room podcast up on anywhere you can find podcasts and learn about some dope stories about some amazing fitness professionals. You know, and it's really cool to hear when like, you know, Dr. John Russin say that the only reason why he developed the PPSC certification he now teaches was because he listened to the podcast I did with Mike Fitch from Animal Flow. And it's like, damn, that's so cool. It's right? So uh, go check those out. It's really cool to see some of these people. If you're a fitness person that you might admire some of these people, listen to where they came from. It's really inspiring to hear that they all went through that eat shit, you know, get my face punched moments too in life. Mm -hmm. If that's what you're going through and hoping to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so yeah, man, reach out to those channels. Uh, Facebook, I'm, it's mostly a regurgitation of where Instagram is, so it's not the best place. Like Facebook Messenger is a terrible place to reach out. Uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Happy to be on any time. It's all about giving back. Uh, I have a thing, and you guys should all know this. Uh, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to bitch about how things are going if you're not allowed. If you're not willing to do something to help, mm. right? And so, like you know, like I remember like being someone that didn't have access to quote unquote people of you know that had you know reach, and it's like. Yeah. You know, so like if you're not doing your part to like, you know, give back and, and I recognize I've earned a lot of opportunities, I think it's dumb. So I think, you know, I appreciate people being very respectful and appreciating people's time. But like, typically I'll always say yes, because why would you not? Yeah. Right. Like how, what harm does it do to come share some time? Because if, if our job is to help people develop better relationships, right? One person, you impact one person, it's worth it. So exactly. thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Sam, I appreciate it, man. You heard it here first, man. Thank Sam, thank you, man. This is the Athletes Marathon Podcast. My name is Matt Choi and we are signing off. Thank you for listening to the Athletes Marathon podcast. We want to make sure you stay connected with our guests so we'll have access to the show notes and our latest episodes on our website. Head over to www.theathletesmarathon.com and if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, thanks again for listening.